0: Welcome to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Sit back, relax, and grab a beverage with your host, David Bishline. And welcome to the inaugural episode of the Adoptive Dad Playbook podcast. I am extremely honored that you would join me today on the first episode. First off, I would like to introduce myself. My name is David Bishline. This is a podcast that I have been Starting or trying to start for quite a while. I'd like to give a couple quick thanks. I'd like to thank my wife, first off, for allowing me and giving me the time to do this. I'd also like to thank Mike Duran, who did the introduction and will do the closure. He is a professional voice actor. I uh, used to be a DJ. His information is in below. If you need any voiceover work, please contact him. I'd also like to thank Sarah Morris for doing the podcast art thing. She does professional graphic design freelance. If you're looking for some freelance graphic design work, please give her a call or email her. Her information is in the notes as well. Well, men and ladies, thank you for joining me today. This is honestly a kind of a corny phrase, the labor of love. And to be brutally honest, this is the third time I have recorded an episode or the first episode, mainly due to the fact of how... My life has changed uh, in the adoption process. So, let's get started. Number one, I am a dad to three biological sons. I am a husband, as I said earlier, to a beautiful wife. Um, I have My sons are 11, 7, uh, 8, and 7. Oh, goodness gracious, they're going to get mad at me. And we are in the process of adopting from South Korea. And we'll get into that a little later in the episode, what that journey has been like, though, that I don't know very much about it, and there is a lot of really good resources, and we're going to talk about those on this podcast, and there are some really great people, some really great people that do this and talk about adoption, but a lot of it is not centered towards dads, and so what is this podcast about? Who is it for? Well, number one, it's for adoptive dads, as the title says, but it's not just adoptive dads. We're going to talk to and hear from foster dads, possible adoptive or foster dads. This is kind of a pep talk. Stepfathers, maybe you are raising children that are not biologically yours. Grandparents, grandpas raising grandchildren. Father figures, coaches. I'm a coach myself. I've coached high school football and baseball and track and wrestling. So I understand the power that a coach has. And most importantly, just dads. Dads, 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 you guys play such a key role in your children's lives that sometimes it gets overlooked. And I think so many times in in, in the media, in, in our modern-day world, dads and father figures are either looked up on like Santa Claus, this kind of you know jolly fellow, or they're kind of aloof or dumb. I know Homer Simpson effect is the way to put it. The modern family, the Ray Romano from... Uh, Everybody loves Raymond. I know I'm dating myself. Kind of the sitcom dad where the dad is goofy and hurts himself and does stupid things. And the mom is kind of the strong one. And and she's the only one that's got it together. And that's not saying moms don't have it together. My wife is incredible. But we also share in that. We share in that. And dad, you play such a key role. Starting on this journey, I really want to do the best I can to be a father number one to all my children biological or adoptive and I've realized that I don't have many answers I don't have very many answers at all and it is frustrating and I know for me personally as a father as a coach as a husband it it was it always helps me to hear the struggles that other men go through and even in this modern society where things are different, we don't, we don't live in my, my dad's you know, 1960s era where his father never showed any affection, didn't change diapers and all that. I get that's changed, but we still have this idea that dads and men shouldn't show a lot of emotion. And I think that's something that needs to change. Part of this podcast is to show the struggle but also the power that adoption and foster care and being a dad has. Being a father figure, what that has. And I, so many times we only hear about the great things or just the horrendous things. What about the average things? What about the day-to-day things that dads struggle with, that maybe you've dealt with, or maybe things that I deal with? It's for me, I love to hear the struggles, to know that I'm not alone, but also to learn. As a coach, we do a lot of character ed work with our players. And just today, I sat in on a meeting about team building, but also just the mindset of an athlete. And they interviewed Kobe, the late Kobe Bryant. And he said, you know, I've never failed. I don't fail. And the interviewer was like, well, is this a Jedi mind trick? And maybe many of you have seen this. But he said, I don't look at it as a failure. I look at how I can learn from that to get better. Yes, he's, he has disappointments in his life. And yes, he makes mistakes. No one says that. But it's the mindset that you have on failing. I also really enjoy uh, Keith Urban, not Keith Urban, Urban Meyer. <laughs> Keith Urban, country singer. Urban Meyer and many other coaches come with E plus R equals O. Your event plus your reaction equals the outcome. So the event, the event is what occurs. You cannot control the event, but you can control the reaction and the outcome. It's really great. This is something we used at a place I used to coach at. And we would tell the kids, our athletes, that we cannot control the E, but we can control the R, which then controls the O. So E plus R equals O. The event, we have no control over. How we react to that event does create the outcome that we can control. Now we as dads and really just men know that we can't control a lot. I'm going to get into that in a couple minutes. But we as men have so much that we can give to this adoption journey, to this foster journey, to people that are maybe interested in adopting. So, as you can probably tell, 6 minutes into the podcast, 7 minutes in the podcast, I am not a professional podcaster. I don't have a face for TV and I definitely don't have a voice for radio uh, as I like to say a voice, a, voice uh, a face for radio and a voice for nothing it's been hard to listen to my own voice to hear it because I, I always think I have a cooler voice and I really do but it's not great and I, I do apologize but if you can ignore my voice I think that we can get a lot out of this together what I mean by that is, is that I think we can learn together I know that I'm going to need to learn And I've already done a couple interviews, and I've learned a lot from people that I know, that I thought I knew a lot about. There's so many things that we can learn by just listening truly. Now, listening, as my wife would tell you, is my worst trait. So when I told her I wanted to do a podcast where I interview people, she looked at me like I was very crazy. Mainly due to the fact that I don't listen to her very well, and that's something that I have been working on. Becoming an active listener. Real talk, I struggle with active listening. However, that does not mean that I cannot get better. As Kobe Bryant said, that's not a failure. I am trying to learn from my mistakes. And there are a lot of really good adoptive and foster care podcasts out there. But so much of it's by women, for moms specifically, or lean more that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know personally, I, I listen to Adoption Hacks. Candace Laycock is a phenomenal job. I know she has a co-host this season. I've actually emailed her when I was starting this, asking her some questions. She's awesome, and she does a great job. She's just an average adoptive mom that started a podcast that's reaching thousands and thousands of people. The honest, the, the Honestly Adoption Podcast by Mike and Kristen Berry, they've, re- they've done books. That's a little bit more geared now towards, like, they do more when it comes to behavioral and things. But they do a great job. They're a a couple and they do it together. It's awesome. And then there's the Adoptive Mom podcast. There's a lot of podcasts about adoption that have come and gone. And there's other ones that I missed. But they're not specifically for dads. And I think there's a big, big need out there, a big want for dads, so we can learn from each other. Not just a mom telling us or maybe a dad guest, but real dads with real talk, as my students like to say. As a high school teacher in the St. Louis area, I deal with real talk, quote-unquote. Maybe your kids talk like that or not. But what I hope to accomplish is to create a community of foster dads and adoptive dads and stepfathers and just dads. But I want to create this community that fosters hope for dads and a community where we can open up and share our struggles and our frustrations, but also our victories. And that's what I hope to do. What I hope to accomplish during the podcast is we're going to have an interview. Usually, I would say that most podcast episodes will have an interview. I've already done a couple. Phenomenal interviews. Men that have adopted and or fostered. We're going to talk to them about their struggles, what they've learned, some things that they would do over again, and just kind of just dad questions. Maybe they already had a biological children. Maybe they struggled getting pregnant. Maybe they weren't able to get pregnant. These are all things that maybe you have dealt with that you can hear someone else that they've gone through. Also, just the idea of struggles. What are some issues with raising children in general? But also, what has that been like? What's about attachment to dads? We hear a lot about that. If, you're, if you've adopted or are fostering, you've dealt with attachment. Maybe you dealt with RADs, which is something that my wife and I have looked into, and it is crazy just how intense that can be how does the journey look different for all people my journey is definitely not the same as somebody else's journey but what makes that cool is that when we hear these men and their journeys we can then take away the positives the negatives and things we can look forward to and maybe avoid the pitfalls that maybe they dealt with as you know if you have children no two children are exactly alike That's what makes our kids, my kids at least, so awesome in so many ways, but also so difficult. (laughs) It'd be really awesome if they were just one size fits all in some capacity, but then you lose that uniqueness about children. And lastly, what role do we play in our children's lives? What role do we play in the foster and adoption process? This is designed to help men deal with their fears, their insecurities about adoption or fostering. Because Lord knows that I have many fears. I don't have the answers. And this is why I started the podcast. It's kind of selfishly for me. But also I know along the way that many of you probably struggle with some or all or different types of issues that I don't deal with. Maybe your kids have issues that mine don't. Right now, we have a lot of dietary issues in my house. There's very little sugar, no gluten. It has been a change for us. It has been hard, but as a dad, I've had to show all my three sons that you're going to be all right. (laughs) As much as we miss cheese and pizza and all this other jazz, we're going to get through it because it's for better for ourselves and for our bodies. I am hoping to learn as much as I can. I'm hoping to take what our interviewees, what our dads, the people we bring on. I'm hoping that what they share will give me better guidance on becoming a better dad become better a foster dad, adoptive dad, or foster dad. I am not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect speaker, as you've probably already figured out. But that's okay, because I'm learning to get better. In the third, the third time I've done this, I already feel more confident. And I'm going to mess up, and you're probably going to say, look at this goober, start a podcast, who does he think he is? And I'm just an average guy from St. Louis area, that's a high school teacher and coach, who really just wants to learn how to become a better dad and not only that, but become a better adoptive dad and what I need to prepare for when I bring a child home, either fostering or stepfathering, anything like that. I have been a part, children have been a part of my life, really my whole life in some capacity because I've coached or been a part of a team for my entire life. I know that sounds weird, but I was a kid, so I was around kids. Then I pretty much got into coaching almost immediately out of high school. I took a couple years off. But I've been coaching that whole time, and I'm definitely a better coach today than I was when I first coached uh, in college. But that's through a lot of mistakes, through a lot of learning, and through a lot of listening, active listening, as I try to do. Part of the reason why I've re recorded this episode three times is because the past s- about six weeks or so, my wife and I have been on a roller coaster of adoption. And I want to make one thing clear. This is not probably very normal. So we are adopting through South Korea. And we have looked into adoption, probably my wife and I. Well, I began looking about four years, three years ago, I started looking into adoption. I just kind of started look into it. What about fostering? Uh, I, as a member of the Cherokee tribe, I looked into maybe adopting from the Cherokee Nation. We talked about foster to adopt. I've been to Haiti a couple times. I really thought about adopting from Haiti. We looked into Bulgaria. We looked into China, South Korea. We went to a meeting from Bethany, who no longer does international adoptions. Bethany uh, Children's Services, they're not even around. They actually stopped. And this is the other thing we're going to find out. that, Within the time my wife and I began to look at adoption, agencies are now getting out of international adoption. There's not as many as there used to be. I think from the time we began looking in the past year, to today, I think three or four of the agencies we looked at are no longer doing international adoptions or are out of business, quote-unquote, altogether. We we began to look at adoption in 2018, 2019. Started to look at it. We looked at all the different ways. We looked at fostering. Like I said, we looked at a lot of different ways. And we settled on Korea for for this aspect. My grandparents adopted two Korean girls in 1965 through Holt who kind of was the the first people to do international adoption, or at least from South Korea. And I always felt led to South Korea. And we would like to adopt a little girl. We have three sons. We always wanted to have a little girl. And we've always felt led to adopt. So really, our choices for adopting within a reasonable time frame was China or South Korea. I wanted to adopt from Haiti. That was a place my wife and I both like, let's look at Haiti. Haiti has a lot of problems. If you don't know, I know right now, at least at the time when we were looking into it, they were talking four or five years, and there was a lot of things you have to go through. We looked at the Philippines. That's another one. Um, you know, We talked about, what about this country, this country? What we noticed was so many countries make you stay there for months, sometimes six to eight weeks. And I have three kids at home, three biological sons, and I teach and it's just really impossible to get away for 8 weeks. And so my wife and I were really kind of limited our choices to Korea, South Korea, and China. And having that connection to South Korea, I just felt drawn to adopt from South Korea. So we looked at a couple agencies and we settled on one and we got a, and since our agency is not in our state or in our area, we had to get a separate agency to do our home study. So we, that's been a lot of fun, and we'll talk about that. So for you guys that don't know, when you adopt, you have to have what's considered a home study. And what that is, is where they will basically, the agency that we're using at least, I had to write a book on my wife, on me, on our relationship. I had to have a physical. Now that's a South Korea thing, I guess. But we basically had to give our finances for the past two years. We had to give... Have a, had to give um, write a bunch of stuff our caseworker had to come to our house which we cleaned and then she never really came inside because in the middle of COVID she literally walked through had to buy carbon di- dioxide detectors boy it was, it was interesting I think she spent most of the time on the back uh, of our deck talking to my wife and I and our kids after we spent two days cleaning the house and I'm sure most men that have adopted or fostered have probably been through very similar situations <laughs> you clean, you clean, you clean and they really don't care We had a home study done, and we'll talk more about that at some other point, I'm sure. That was done, and then for South Korea, you have to have a physical. So I had to lose weight, which I didn't have to lose a crazy amount, but I had to lose about 20 to 30 pounds. Korea has a height-to-weight BMI ratio that you had to meet. I was like at 228, probably between 225 and 230. I think when I weighed, it was 230, I guess. So I had to get down to about 206 because I'm about 5'10". Man, I nailed that sucker. In May, <laughs> so I had signed up to go get my physical in March. The thir- last week of March. Well, if you guys are listening to this in 2020, uh, really any time the next year, is that that was literally when everything shut down. So they had to cancel my appointment. So I had to keep the weight off until May, and I was good. We had to do that. We had to have a psychological evaluation done for South Korea. We've had to give reference letters. It it's a lot of things. So by the time we got our home study approved, which basically means we were put on a list, quote unquote, for South Korea, it was August. So we were told, you know, for a girl in South Korea, it's usually going to be away. They don't give a time for at least our agency didn't give us a time. I thought it would probably be March, February, March of 2020, 2021, excuse me. But lo and behold, probably about six weeks after we kind having done our caseworker asked us to call her and i was like man i let my wife do it because she's talked to her and that's rare i was like oh man something's probably wrong well it turns out only about six weeks after we had everything done roughly six weeks to a month uh, october 13th we got a call or we called her and through some circumstances there is a child a little girl who was going to become possibly available for us to adopt. So we got her file, and we said yes. You know, I will, she was a little older than I would anticipated. So kind of to be honest, keeping it real, real talk, as my students say, at first I was a man, she's too old. She was just turned three a couple days ago. And I really struggled with that. I was like, I want a little girl, I want like a two-year-old. And then I started thinking, and God kind of put this on my heart, I mean, you're talking about a year difference. You had a girl that's potty trained. You have a girl that probably would make the adjustment. You have older boys. This is perfect. And I said, man, it really was. And I, I got then really excited. So we said yes. We had a medical review done. So when you adopt internationally, it's a good idea to take their file. We sent ours to the University of Minnesota. They have an adoption clinic. And we actually got a very generous grant from the Sparrow Fund. They helped pay for that. They paid for almost all of it. And then we had it and they said she looked healthy and we said, yes, we want to adopt her. So we started it. We sent our huge check off and it was good. We made a video to send to her. We sent a present to her for her birthday because it was coming up, her being in the post office. And the lady I send a, was going to send a priority mail and the postal worker. She put in the address and then she goes, that's going to be $90. And I said, well, I thought this was priority why is there no choice she she was trying to send it to North Korea and I said whoa no need to send it there (laughs) so uh, we got it fixed and we sent it off and it was just everything just seemed to be going so well and so perfect and and God uh, just seemed like he was blessing us and and it was just going great and we just all felt my wife and I and our families just felt that this is it like this is our daughter and they were sending us pictures and And I remember getting the update, the last update we got, and she just looked so cute. And I actually told my students at school, and we had just shared the news on Facebook. And then we got a call. My wife got a call from our agency. And um, this just happened a couple weeks ago, that her mom had decided to come and uh, raise her. And that was one of the hardest feelings, emotions I've ever dealt with in my life. And I'm still dealing with that sense of loss and grief. So we get the call. Mom is coming back. And ultimately, that is what you want. You want biological parents, if they can, to raise their children. Especially if the mother... Can raise them and she can stay in in Korea, that is awesome. And and, and in one side, I mean, my human side, my my, my mind and my Christian side was, yes, that's awesome. And I was so happy and I began to pray for her mom and her. But my human side was was being torn apart. My heart was broken. I, I loved this. I still love this little girl. And for a few weeks, this was my daughter. And man, that was hard. And I know that some of you men listening, May have gone through a similar situation. And I, I I think that God was setting me up to or was preparing me, that setting me up's not the right term, but preparing me for this. I just watched a video on YouTube. I'm kind of a YouTube junkie when it comes to adoption videos. I love those those moments when they bring their they get their child and it's so awesome. And I know gotcha day isn't the right term anymore, but I would watch a video about a family a couple that had, this was pretty fresh, they were trying to adopt, and their video's all about them going to, I think they were in Jacksonville, and they went there, and this was a domestic adoption, and they got there, and the mom then changed her mind. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I feel so sad. And this woman on the video, who was basically doing most talking, was just so brave, and she said, I know, I'm happy for mom and him. and I mean, they were there, they were ready to take this child home, they had a car seat, they had flown down and then that happened and I couldn't imagine that I mean, we'd only been a few weeks in about you know, about a month and a half in and we weren't even there I mean I could only imagine being in South Korea or about ready to go and pick her up and then that be shared so in that capacity I'm very thankful it wasn't like that but this this feeling even right now this feeling is hard <laughs> I had a few people that I knew tell me their experience they shared with me because it's hard man I, I cried I'm not going to lie I cried a lot. Uh, and I'm just really glad we're doing virtual learning. I'm glad there were no students in my classroom that day because they would have called me a crybaby, I'm sure. <laughs> but it was hard. I, the grief, the sadness, like I'm so happy for her and her mom and I just pray that that works out. But I'm so sad for me and I, and, and I know that that's not, and I know that a lot of people would say, oh, this is not God's plan for you. And I, and I appreciate that. But I really want to thank the men that got a hold of me that shared their story A friend of ours, he shared a story that they actually had the child for a day and then the mom changed their mind. My cousin on my mom's side is actually adopted and they did domestically and they had to to wait for a year. I mean, this happens. Now, this happens more domestically. We were not prepared for this. This is really not a... doesn't really happen internationally like it does domestically. Another guy I coached with, he shared his story. The feeling of loss and grief. I can only imagine what it would be like to have a miscarriage or lose a child like that, I would assume it would be even more than what I'm feeling. And then yesterday, or the day before, or I guess it was yesterday, uh, her mom came and got her. So the, the worst part was we had two weeks of knowing this information, but then in the back of our minds, like, oh, maybe mom won't show up. And that's sad because I wanted to go with her mom, but deep down I wanted her to be my daughter. And that was hard, real hard, because there was this hope that, in my mind, my, my human side, there's a hope that mom wouldn't show up and that she'd be my daughter. And that was tough. For two weeks, I had this back in my mind. But it wasn't God's plan for that. It wasn't that mom came and got her. She got the presents we sent. And it was really hard yesterday when I saw the picture that they had sent in the letter from the agency of her opening our present. Seeing that face, seeing that smile... I was so happy that we could give a little bit to her. And maybe our role in her life was to bring her parents back together. I, I don't know. I don't know what our role is. And I probably never will. But I prayed for her and for her mom. And it was a hard day. But it was an important day. And it was a good day because it put closure on that. It makes me question. It made me question. Even now, can I do this again? Can I uh, can I love another little girl, like the way I love this little girl, for just six weeks. I mean, I hope so. And, and I think so. But it makes you question. It makes you wonder, can I as a dad do that thing? It was so challenging to let it go. And I know my wife struggled and we talked about it. And I think it helped bring us closer somewhat. But we grieve differently. And, we have, and I think it made it easier because we already have three sons. So it kept us busy. But I, I think the worst time was I'm sitting there alone and I'm just wondering, you know, what's your plan for this? What's God's plan? But I do know that my daughter is out there somewhere, and we wait patiently to be matched again and referred again. And it's hard. <laughs> it's real hard to keep waiting like you are. But I know many of you have waited for years. And for me to wait basically six weeks and then and then have to wait another, so basically only have to wait 12 weeks in essence, right now, I mean, that's nothing. Some men wait for years to adopt, and I just want you guys to know it's hard, but I do know that it's going to be worth it. I know that when I get to see my daughter for the first time, and I get to hold her, and she calls me daddy or dad, dad, I mean, that'll be worth it. This is a hard journey. You are going to get hurt more than likely on this journey, as I am finding out. Everything was going along just right, just seemed perfect, when it, when then it wasn't, and that was just what blew my mind it just seemed like this was our daughter my sons had dealt with it but i do know that our daughter and 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 my son's sister is out there and i do know that it will happen and this is hard but i know it's going to be worth it i'm just keep my eye on the prize and for any of you men that are listening that are contemplating adoption or have adopted I'm, i'm sure that you have dealt with similar questions fears like i'm afraid now you know What if we get a child and this or this or this? I mean, it scares me. The uncertainty scares me. But that's part of it. When you adopt or foster or you're a stepfather, you're not in control. I struggle with control. I I know you're going to laugh. I hate to fly. (laughs) And we're going to have to hop a plane at some point to South Korea twice. Hopefully. There's no quarantining. and That's like 13 plus hours each way. I know. I definitely hate to fly. But I'm having to overcome that because I know that that fear of flying cannot prevent me from getting my daughter. And this has been challenging, but I know it's going to make me stronger in the end. It's going to make the victory ever so sweet in the end. Men and women, ladies, thank you for joining me today. Uh, This has been something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. I'm finally glad I get to share it. And I'll update you. <laughs> Hopefully, we get a referral, you know. And when we do, it's going to be a joyous occasion. And I pray for that time. If you guys have anything that you'd like me to pray for you about, or discuss, or share, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, all my social information is going to be in the show notes. I have an Instagram. I've started a Facebook. I have a Gmail. Uh, all that stuff. I, it's it's Adoptive Dad Playbook at Gmail. Adoptive Dad Playbook on Instagram. Adoptive Dad Playbook on Facebook. I look forward to going on this journey with you in that in, in, in that we will learn together and hopefully grow. Gentlemen, ladies, have a great day. And dads, keep on dadding. Until next time, take care, men. Thanks for listening to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Be sure to follow us on social media.